What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Eichenhofer at Pelicans.com. Just two more player recaps to go. Today we'll focus in on Najee Marshall and wrap up tomorrow with James Johnson. Joining us for the third straight week is Will Guillory, who covers the NBA and the Pelicans for The Athletic. Will, I don't know if you just keep inviting yourself onto these things or we're actually asking you, but I appreciate the dedication to our podcast. How are you? Oh man, I'm doing well. You know, I always love joining you guys. Gotta gotta see what's going on with my man Jimmy and I guess Daniel as well. You know, <laughs> I'm really just here to just talk Phillies baseball with my guy Jimmy. So that that's really why I keep coming back. Wow. You know, and I, I'm still inviting you back despite all the Phillies references. And you know, I thought you were gonna bust out before this. You're calling yourself the Placido Polanco of the Pelicans podcast, which I'm not sure a lot of people would recognize the name, but I certainly do. And I guess that's fitting for you. Are you our utility guy, Will? Is that what you're calling yourself? Yeah, really, I'm just here to make Jimmy look good. You know, like any good second baseman, just trying to get that double play combo going. You know, just I'm just here to flip him. I'm not doing anything behind the back or anything fancy. I'm just flip, flipping at the gym and let him get the highlight. Absolutely outstanding beginning to this podcast, Will. And and by the way, uh, where, are we, uh, where are we watching game one of Philly's Braves tonight? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that after the podcast. We're watching that at Will's apartment right now is Tony Allen jersey. And Will can bust out his Bryce Harper jersey, which I don't know why he has, but he, he does have that in his, in his closet there. We won't get into that. This is not MTV Cribs, but uh, I guess Will can defend himself at some other point with his film. Yeah, I'm just I'm just pro anybody getting the bag. That's why I'm supporting my guy, Bryce Harper. If you got the bag, I'm with you. So So go Bryce Harper. Right, well, definitely not supporting either Jim and I because we definitely don't have the bag and probably will never have the bag. But that's okay. We we still carry on. And let's talk about Najee Marshall. And speaking of securing the bag, you know, he was able to at least secure his first bag um, with a big contract at the end of the year. But kind of unexpectedly, we look at two-way players at the beginning of the season. You really don't expect them to have too much of an impact. It's more of, you know, learn the ropes in the G League, come up. And if you're able to, you know, get some minutes here or there, that's fine. But Najee Marshall was a different type of player, Will. How did he get to this point where he started off as that two-way player and ended up signing a long-term deal at the end of the season? Yeah, it's pretty insane to see his journey from the start of the year because Najee was almost like an afterthought with this group. He, he never got playing time for the first couple of months of the season. That's why they ended up sending him to the G League bubble just to get him some run. I, I mean, the only time I basically ever saw Najee was post game when he was getting shots up with the assistant coaches and, you know, in the empty arena after the game. And to see him go from that point to a starter to a guy who ended up getting the contract you know, beyond this season, you know, uh, each one of his teammates complimenting him constantly after games. I, I think it's a, a huge testament to the work he put in and just the belief uh, he had in himself. I think that's what stood out most about Najee is d- despite the lack of playing time, despite the, the the lack of knowledge of what his role would be, he always knew exactly what he could do and how he could contribute to this team. And, and when his moment arrived, he, he stepped into that role and played it perfectly. Daniel, you mentioned how, with two-way players, you don't expect them to get on the court very much. It was interesting. Najee himself said that he didn't expect to play this season when he did his exit interview the day after the season ended. So, I mean, that was kind of interesting and funny. I guess it shouldn't have been surprising, but it's just, it's always unique to hear a player say that, that he was, he looked at the season as kind of, you know, almost like a red shirt year where he was going to get some playing time, maybe in the G league, which he ended up getting under the odd circumstances that, that they had this year where they had to bubble down in Florida. But um, it, it, it was very, um, it was a very cool ending for him 
to be able to sign the multi-year contract and get on the court. I mean, for most of the season, to be totally honest with you, he was kind of like the, um, the footnote in the newspaper, like in the transaction section where you see his name was listed in on the injury report. I, I forget what it was, if it was a foot or ankle injury that he had, but that was really the way that we saw his name come up the most throughout the first few months of the season was that he would be listed on the injury report. Um, and then he played extremely well in the G league bubble. So, I mean, it's hard to base stuff on stats, but he, uh, it sounds like he was the best player on that team down there and they did really well. So that definitely gave him a lot better chance, I think, to get on the court because he showed at least against a form of professional competition that he was a good player, but he definitely was also held back a ton by the fact that he had COVID and missed a bunch of training camp and just really didn't have a chance to show the, the, you know, the new coaching staff, what he could do. Jim, uh, I'll stick with you and I'll go to Will on this. When you talk about earning that playing time, and this was made based on you just talking to, to him talking to other players and Stan was it a matter of circumstance of how he was able to get that playing time you know with the injuries hit later on the season I mean it it was it was necessary for Najee to get on the court but was it shown to Stan Van Gundy that you know no matter what the situation was he was going to get some playing time down the stretch how was he able to go from this guy that didn't expect to play a lot to earning starters minutes as the season progressed I think initially it definitely was circumstances that got him the, the opportunity at first. I mean, if it wasn't for the multiple injuries, he may have experienced a whole, an entire season that he was expecting where he didn't really get a great chance to play. And we'd see him at the end of, you know, 20, 30 point games where he'd play a few minutes in mop up time, but because of the injuries, he got a chance to play, but all credit to him that after he did get that opportunity, he seemed like he totally seized it. Um, I thought he was kind of a jack of all trades and that he contributed in a bunch of different ways. Um, it was actually, if you look at his college career, it was pretty similar to what he did. He was a, a very um, underrated playmaker, passer, and he I was just super impressed by how he did in that area with the Pelicans. Um, I mean, I know your dog probably doesn't appreciate necessarily the playmaking, but um, but uh, in his his shooting was an area where he needs to improve upon. That was also kind of, uh, below average for him in college, but he, he was just, uh, he was kind of a, exactly what they needed in, in, in a lot of ways. And his timing of when he got his opportunity was kind of perfect for that part of the season. He, he reminded me a little bit of our guy, Kenrich Williams. I know that's a little sacrilegious to make comparisons to Kenny hustle, <laughs> but, but it did, it did remind me of that in terms of when the team needed somebody to fill that role, he, he was, he was there to, to be there. And um, I think a lot of people immediately appreciated Najee because of some of the stuff that he provided that wasn't necessarily evident from game to game by the team, including just his defense and his hustle. Will, I, when I, when you heard Ken Rich Williams, I think your eyes kind of lit up a little bit. Did that, did that bring back some, some, some flashbacks of Kenny hustle? Yeah, man. Everybody knows I love me some Kenny Hustle. That's my guy right there. I'm still sad to see him gone. And, and I guarantee everybody listening to this pod who follows me and Jim on Twitter, they definitely had a drinking game going uh, for well, who was going to be the first to mention Kenrich in this podcast. So I'm kind of mad Jimmy beat me to the punch. <laughs> but uh, Najee, I mean, there are a lot of uh, similarities but for sure. And when you look at the stories of Kenrich and, and Najee, the way those guys kind of came out of nowhere and made their name from being hustle guys, from being the guy who did 
you did all the dirty little plays on the court, who found ways to get those offensive rebounds, defend multiple positions. I, I think that's the way you make a name for yourself in this league. And I think what really surprised me the most about Najee, I think a lot of times you see guys in that position and they, they kind of make their rise just because they're making spot up jumpers, especially when you're playing next to a guy like Zion Williamson. You see, okay, if you're a pretty good role player next to Zion, you're probably hitting those spot up threes whenever they're wide open or Lonzo's finding you for those wide open threes because they're available so often. But with Najee, it was really impressive to see how comfortable he was making plays off the bounce and kind of attacking defenses and getting, getting into the teeth of the defense rather than settling for jumpers. And if anything, I asked Stan Van Gundy a few times, you know, don't you think Najee should probably take a few more jumpers because they were so available to him, but he was always very comfortable being aggressive, getting to the rim. And I think that's where he's most comfortable is kind of making those plays on the second side and seeing a guy again, who was in the G league bubble, never got playing time coming in and feeling comfortable making those plays and getting to the rim. I think that's really exciting because we also saw the potential for him to be a knockdown shooter as well. And I know he's going to get in some work this summer with uh, Fred Vincent to kind of improve on that jumper. So I think that there's a lot of promise there with his offensive game. And if you're going to make the comparison to Kenny hustle, I think it took some time for Ken Rich to really figure out what he can do offensively. And I feel like Najee kind of knows who he is on the offensive end much more than you would expect from a, a normal two-way guy. But to piggyback off that, well, I mean, there were some games, and I know this doesn't say much based on the, the lack of three-point shooting for the Pelicans, but at times he was the best three-point shooter on the court for the Pelicans as far as leading the team in percentage or even three-pointers made. So do you see that as far as something that could, he could add to his game later on as far as three-point shooting might not be the best I guess, uh, aspect of his game, but something that could progress down the line. Yeah, no question. And Jim mentioned it earlier. I think one of the most fascinating parts about his season is just how it got started with him, you know, testing positive for COVID before training camp, not really getting time with the team to establish himself to kind of get his feet down on the ground and seeing the way he kind of still was able to have success despite that. So I think with a full offseason, being able to spend time in the city, be around the practice facility, I guarantee you he's going to be getting a whole bunch of jump shots up this summer knowing he's going to be playing next to Zion Williamson. So yeah, I expect him to be a really good shooter down the line and we know what my man coach Fred does every time you give him a shooting project he's like the miracle worker he's got the Midas touch you get that guy a shooter he's going to turn him into a 40% type of guy so I think if Najee can establish himself as that as a guy who can be a knockdown shooter who can make plays off the dribble who can defend multiple positions. I mean, that's a great value for a guy you're getting for what a couple million, you know, per year. I think that's a huge fine for this team. And that's the stuff you got to do. If you're David Griffin, if you're going to be spending big money on guys like Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, you got to find those role players for the cheap who can make plays for you. And it seems like Najee could potentially be one of those guys. I'm glad we're talking about shooting because I think this podcast is filled with three people who, who bring the shot to the court (laughs) I mean, you could have a conversation about, do I bring anything else besides that? But that's another, we'll talk about that some other time. That's all I bring too, Jim. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I only wanted to speak for myself there. Okay. So, but I, but I agree with you, but on your game, but uh, I haven't seen Will play enough to know that, but I, I hear that he's a knockdown shooter as well. But anyways, in terms of Najee, um, I think one of the things that was really encouraging about the season too, is if you look at how he did three point shooting wise in college, he wasn't good, and he shot 35% from three in the NBA in his first season. Um, career-wise in college, I think he was 
a, a little bit below 30%. So it seems like for whatever reason, maybe he's put in a lot of work and continue to get better, but he did have a encouraging first uh, year from the perimeter shooting wise. Although I, I think everyone admits, including him, that that's something that he needs to improve upon. And that was something that um, Stan Van Gundy, I think talked about at the end of the season, as far as just his main thing that he's going to have to focus on. And Will just talked about that as well. But yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to him continuing to get better. And I think he's already done some good stuff in that area. All right. So before I let you two go, you sharpshooters, um, I guess we talked a little bit about what the next step for Najee is. Is there anything we missed as far as, you know, what he's going to be working on in the gym, whether it's shooting or maybe on the defensive side, we talked about his hustle, but maybe uh, what's something that maybe next year you want to see him on the defensive side develop as part of his game. Well, I'll, I'll go with you and then I'll wrap up with Jim. Yeah, I think the big thing is just develop, uh, defending those bigger guys. I think that's a conversation we've had with the Pelicans for years is how do you defend, you know, the Michael Porter Juniors of the world, the LeBron James, the Kawhi Leonard's. These guys you're going to have to go through if you're going to make these deep runs in the West. you got to have options for those guys. And I think what we've learned over the years is not just one guy uh, on your team is going to defend those. you got to have multiple players you can throw at those guys. And I think Najee, you know, he has to continue to work on that, getting stronger in his base you know defending guys down in the post uh getting more rebounds I, I think that's going to be a big part of his growth defensively and like I mentioned before he loves to get to the rim I just would like to see him finish more of those shots and I think it's something you see with most young guys when you come to the league uh, he talked about it where uh you get to the rim and it's like wow these guys are really big they're really athletic they're really fast and I think it's a big difference when you go from college to the NBA and finishing at the rim and I think that's something he got more comfortable with as his playing time went up but I would like to see him to continue to improve upon that and like I said before just being more comfortable defending uh multiple positions bigger guys I think those those are the two things for him yeah I think Will pretty much covered as far as just the areas that he can get better in the one thing I will add is that defensively it's nice to see the Pelicans have a guy kind of on the wing with the, with the size that he has it seems like over the years and I'm not talking about this season last season I'm talking you know 10 years plus it seems like that hasn't been an area that the Pelicans have had had guys that can really contribute in that area I mean we had a guy like James Ennis who was here for eight or ten games um, that kind of a mold of player of it, like a long wing that can um, hold his own athletically and physically so um, that's that, that's definitely a niche that I, I'd love to see him be able to fill because as we know they need help in a lot of different areas defensively so for him to turn into you know, a really good defensive player, above average defensive player, I think will will help the defense a ton. All right, good stuff there on Najee Marshall from both of you. That's Will Guillory, who covers the NBA and the Pelicans for the Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Will Guillory, hashtag some dude, as he is some dude from the Athletic. But he's our dude, and he's been on for three straight weeks with us covering uh, our player recaps. Will, I appreciate the time. Hopefully the next time that we're on, I'll have a Ronald Acuna Jr. jersey for you. <laughs> um, that'll help you. And so we can get you out of this Phillies funk that you're in. Uh, but until then, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the off season. And we'll talk to you down the line. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. And I'm leaving here and I'm going to get some jump shots up. Cause I, I hear, I guess I'm here and I got some competition over there on airline drive. So I got to get myself back right before the media game next year. Man, if we're bringing back the media game, then I'm definitely gonna have to get some shots up. It's, been, it's certainly been a while. And so we don't want to, we don't want to see what's going on right now. If, if we go on the court, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> Will, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. I yeah, appreciate you guys.
All right, one more podcast to wrap things up. That'll be tomorrow as Jim and I will conclude with James Johnson, and then we'll take a little bit of a break and we'll tell you about more tomorrow afternoon. All right, until tomorrow for Jim and Will, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.